And good morning to you, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030, KVOI, The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Matt, you are our weatherman. Uh, please do tell me, when do the lovely Palo Verde trees uh, stop blowing all over the place? Uh, I, I am getting a special radio voice this morning, and I'm ready for it to be over. So what does your magic ball say? <laughs> I'm not so much of a pollen guy, um, <clears throat> so I can't tell you that, but uh, May is historically a breezy month in Tucson, so... Uh, so, um, <laughs> so I, I think the breezes are going to be around off and on for a little while. Um, for sure. Looking at the uh, looking at the forecast, uh, I don't see a lot of uh, mentions of extreme winds in the next few days. But uh, I think I think mild breezes are going to be with us, you know, for at least the uh, few next few days. Uh, so sorry, I can't give you any relief there, Zach. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. I'm trying yeah. to think of uh, of a fellow radio host with a low, gravelly voice, but whoever that is, uh, I'm doing that impression today. Uh, I'm looking forward to today's show. I know, Matt, you and I are working to, uh, to get Mark Marley on uh, with us. He heads up the Lunar and Planetary, Lunar and Planetary uh, Laboratory at the University of Arizona uh, today, and um, looking forward to that conversation. They've been... Uh, a part of space science research uh, since almost the beginning. So we'll start with that conversation. Uh, Devin Underwood will be with us at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about Tucson's labor market um, as well. Uh, Matt, I understand we have Mark Marley with us. Is that true? Mark, it's good to be with you today. Thanks for calling in. Uh, I know that this is a, a bit of a different uh, aspect of the University of Arizona's kind of space science and space research, but uh, I wanted to celebrate today that the, before we get going, that the University of Arizona astronomers have helped capture the first image of a supermassive black hole at the center of our Milky Way galaxy. And uh, we even got some state love on it today. Governor Doug Ducey tweeted out a uh, congratulations to uh, what I call the space city of the Southwest. Mark Marley, good morning to you. Oh, great. Good morning. Yeah, the supermassive black hole is uh, very exciting, and it's something that uh, the folks in Stewart Observatory have been working on for a long time, and it's just another example of the great space science capabilities uh, we have at the university. Yeah, it's a, it's a big day. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, Mark, you head up the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory in the College of Science at the University of Arizona, and uh, faculty um, have served as either principal or co-investigators on many spacecraft instruments and missions, beginning with the Ranger missions to the moon in the 1960s. The University of Arizona has truly been at the center of the uh, of the space exploration and space industry in the United States and, and in some ways around the world. Tell us a little bit about the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory. Well, we were the very first uh, institution worldwide to focus just on the study of planets, and it was founded by Gerard Kuiper, who came here from the University of Chicago in 1960 and set up the uh, uh, LPL. And one of the first things you know we did was develop uh, photographic atlases of the moon to help NASA pick the landing site 
for Apollo. And so we've been doing uh, the space business ever since, and our faculty and scientists have participated in almost every major uh, uh, space mission to the planets, from the um, uh, Pioneer missions to Jupiter and Saturn, to Mars missions, uh, to uh, today studying the moon uh, and the, the sun and the uh, interstellar media, I mean, excuse me, the uh, heliosphere, the material in between the planets. So we really do have a, a great breadth and a long history of doing these things. Mm, that's incredible. Well, what is the, um, what is the kind of the current um, operation look like? What are some of the laboratories and telescopes that uh, that the uh, laboratory works on? Well, uh, it's really uh, a, a great host of things. Up on Mount Lemmon, there's the Catalina Sky Survey, where we are searching for near-Earth asteroids that could potentially impact uh, the Earth. And the Catalina Sky Survey has found uh, every year finds about half of these uh, of these asteroids, and they've even found small objects, maybe the size of a boulder, before they uh, even impact the Earth. And so they've been able to study them from from space all the way down to the ground. We're uh, also currently building the uh, the Professor uh, Amy Meinzer, who is uh, leading the effort the uh, NASA NEO Surveyor uh, Telescope, which is going to go search for those asteroids that the Catalina Sky Survey can't find, which are ones that are closer to the sun than the Earth is, because the telescopes up on the mountain can't look into the glare of the sun. And that telescope will find thousands and thousands of uh, potentially uh, uh, near-Earth asteroids, including one, if they ever did find one, that could potentially uh, impact Earth and cause problems. And these aren't ones like the size, like the thing that did in the dinosaurs. These are much smaller ones mm-hmm. that might uh, uh, blow up over a city and they cause problems. And meanwhile, NASA is working on ways to deflect or stop those kind of asteroids in the future. Mm-hmm. So that's just one example of, of small bodies, but we're also doing a whole host of other kinds of, uh, kinds of science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and NASA just extended the Osiris-Rex mission. It'll be a different, different title, but Osiris-Rex has a has a next adventure heading into what is it, twenty twenty four, Mark? Well, so what's going to happen is you know just as you know, Osiris-Rex uh, visited the asteroid Bennu and picked up a sample, and then next year, I think it's September twenty third. The uh, spacecraft is going to be flying back by the Earth, and it's going to drop off the sample container. And that sample container is going to uh, have a heat shield and will re-enter the atmosphere over the uh, uh, salt flats in Utah and return the sample to Earth. But the spacecraft, the mothership, is perfectly fine. It's got all these great scientific instruments on it. And so NASA made the decision to extend the mission uh, another eight years mm-hmm. to then go and visit this asteroid Apophis. And asteroid Apophis was also discovered by uh, LPL researchers. And for a while, it looked like when they was first discovered, it might be uh, an object that could impact the Earth in the near future. But it was quickly determined that's not the case. But it's still so it kind of a bit of a scare back in, uh, I think it was 2001 when it was discovered. 
but it's a very exciting object. And so now the mothership, the Cyrus Rex mothership, is going to go and visit that asteroid, um, which is going to fly by the Earth in 2029. It'll be bright enough you can see with your naked eye. And then just after the Earth flyby, Osiris Rex is going to meet up with it. It's going to be called Osiris Apex, and it'll spend a year and a half uh, orbiting around and studying asteroid apocalypse. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, it, it really sounds like, and there was a 2018 study, Mark, of what does the uh, kind of ecosystem in uh, Tucson mean for the new space industry? What are the things that we're good at? Uh, it sounds like the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory really focuses on one of those four pieces, um, that being uh, situational awareness. In other words, understanding what objects are there uh, and how close are they and how close are they to us and what does, what does that interaction look like? Would that be fair that, that your laboratory really focuses on kind of space situational awareness? Well, we do a lot of different kinds of science and there's something now called uh, space situational awareness, which usually means things that uh, are human built, like uh, uh, satellites and rocket parts and uh, anything, pretty much anything in space that humans build. And there's a need to track those things and know where they are and know if, uh, say, the China or Russia has a new satellite and if it's going in uh, someplace to, say, visit one of our satellites or just what's going on. And the uh, uh, one of our professors, uh, Professor Vishnu Reddy, has pioneered the techniques of what you might call applied planetary science, of using the techniques originally used uh, for astro- to understand asteroids and natural objects, and then uh, applying those to uh, uh, human-built things to keep track of what's going on. And we have strong, uh, the Air Force, now the Space Force, has strong radars that find things close to the Earth, but they don't really track things farther out. And so with our telescopes, we can keep track of um, uh, objects let's say beyond geostationary orbit, which is where the communication satellites are, and out there to the moon and beyond. And so that's a whole new field that uh, we're helping uh, to pioneer, and that's called situational awareness. And the uh, 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 Professor Reddy and many others that on, on campus work are working with the Space Force to uh, help us understand and keep track of all these things. That's amazing. Uh, if you just joined us, we're with Mark Marley, who heads up the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory in the College of Science at the University of Arizona. Let's uh, put a pin in it there for now. We'll go to our first break of the hour. When we come back, uh, the laboratory is a foundational partner in the Arizona Space Institute, a driving force in advancing uh, the university's role as the world's leading university for space science and other uh, other endeavors. We will, we'll talk about that on our way back in again today, celebrating some uh, some big news in the space city of the Southwest. University of Arizona astronomers today, the news came out came out helped capture the first image of a supermassive black hole at the center of our Milky Way galaxy. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. The next generation of talk. Tipping Point with Zach Genser. 1030, The Voice.
Is your 8th or ninth grader looking for a hands-on learning program that includes lots of art? Then Desert Sage School, a new tuition-free public charter high school at 3434 East Broadway is for you. Desert Sage is innovative and is now enrolling 9th and 10th graders for the upcoming school year. Go to DesertSageSchool.org where the first 125 students to register will be accepted. Desert Sage is the first public Waldorf-inspired charter high school in Southern Arizona where teachers genuinely listen to and care for each student's unique gifts. Get your child enrolled today at DesertSageSchool.org. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com, and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. 
And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona, live here out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM1030 KVY The Voice. Before we jump back in with Mark Marley, who heads up the Lunar and Planetary... These words are hard this morning. Lunar and Planetary Laboratory uh, this morning. I want to shout out Decibel Coffee Works. It's the coffee we drink at home and out and about. They are located at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Uh, Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point in your next visit there for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Mark, the time is flying. I knew that it would. Uh, We talked in the first segment. Uh, about the LPL, the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory. Uh, But the LPL has been a foundational partner for the Arizona Space Institute, a driving force in advancing uh, the University of Arizona's role as the world's leading university for space science, human and robotic exploration, astrobiology, exoplanets research, space situational awareness research, and planetary defense. Tell me more about the Arizona Space Institute and how it can solidify um, our role as a really regional leader in the new space industry. <clears throat> well, as you know, as you've already touched on, Zach, we've got lots of great space things going on, uh, but we really want to build on that. And as uh, our efforts have gotten bigger and bigger, the level of effort it takes to propose to fly a mission like a Cyrus Rex, for example, or things that we might propose in the future is really huge. And you need a, a, a small army to put together the proposals of NASA, the engineers and uh, scientists to flesh out exactly what you're, what you're going to do. And as, those, as sort of that task has gotten bigger, uh, we've realized we really need to pull together across campus and have a, a space investment to uh, help us plan for the future and make the investments so that we can go and get the, the OSIRIS-REx missions that we might want of, of the future, whatever they may be. And so the Space Institute uh, is a real important investment from the university to help us go after future things and also to use all the great capabilities we have in astronomy and space science and, and uh, LPL and uh, optical science to use that base to go into things like space medicine or help our colleagues in geosciences who want to get more involved in space missions looking at Earth, for example. And so it's a uh, new institution, it's a new investment from the university that will also tie into the local Tucson space economy, as you mentioned. Uh, we're doing an economic study. I wish I had the results. We're not quite done with it. Uh, but to look at the multiplier effect and how every dollar invested by the by the university in space uh, activities in the, in the university multiplies out into the local and whole Arizona economy. Oh, cool. uh, so we know it's a big number, and we know we're an important part, and we want to participate mm. in that. So the, the long answer, but we're excited <clears throat> that the UA Space Institute is going to help us uh, grow and build even more. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, I think it's interesting you talked about the multiplier because uh, in 2021, the NSF Higher Education Research and Development Survey ranked the university as the number one, uh, as number one among all universities in space science research and development expenditures. Uh, so we can only hope that the multiplier of that uh, will be powerful in the, in the community. Um, what, is, what is the work left to do? I do want to touch on that, Mark. How do we... How do we make what this amazing research uh, and innovation that's happening within the university, um, how do we 
uh, how do we really supercharge the economic impact of that? Um, and then, you know, like I mentioned, the governor of Arizona um, finally gave Tucson some love for being uh, a leader in space. Uh, how do we get local leadership across sectors, public and private, to really come around your work there and say, we've got a special opportunity in this region. Let's take advantage of it. Uh, any thoughts or insights on that here on our way out, Mark Marley? Uh, well, I mean, you put your finger on it. Everybody knows, I think, that we do, we're do. great in astronomy, we're great in space science, but people don't always connect that to the money that we're spending uh, right here in the local in the local Tucson and Southern Arizona economy. And so we're really working with the Space Institute. That's one of the top agenda items for the Space Institute, is make it clear that, hey, we're a big part of uh, Arizona, we're a big part of the economy. And for every dollar that the state invests in LPL, we return $9 in NASA funding. Mm-hmm. That, that, wow. that herd survey you said. So we want to make that clear that look, every invest more in us, invest in the Stewart Observatory, invest in our uh, in the Space Institute, and you'll see great returns. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm on a personal mission, Mark. You can probably tell it's one, one of the reasons why we're together this morning is when we think about aerospace and defense in Tucson, of course we think about Raytheon and Honeywell and Davis Monthan, and as well we should. Um, but f- way fewer people I've found uh, know that we were a part of the Ranger missions to the moon in the 1960s. I mean, Tucson and the United States space exploration are inextricably tied, uh, and uh, I, I think that more people need to know uh, that beyond just aerospace and defense, we have a real foothold in the new space industry, which again, you know, looks at space mining, situational awareness, space tourism, uh, and space technologies. Um, we've got, I think, we're ahead of the curve if we can stay in front. And uh, and Mark, much of it is due again to the LPL and Stewart Observatory and other institutions within the University of Arizona uh, driving this. We've got about a minute left, Mark. Anything we didn't cover uh, worth mentioning as we kind of spotlight your work? Well, I I really appreciate the spotlight, Zach. It's been uh, great talking to you. But yeah, it's just remember that uh, we do a whole host of things. We have over we have thirty researchers that bring in. Uh, have brought in over a half million dollars each uh, in the last five years. Uh, and so we've got a real broad bench, a great team, and the same is true in Stewart. And uh, we're really, to, you know, looking to grow and do more great things. You heard about the, the black hole at the center of the galaxy, and I expect a lot more great science from, uh, uh, from all of us. I love it. Mark, thanks for spending some time with us on this Thursday. Again, Mark heads up the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory in the College of Science at the University of Arizona. Mark, we'll connect soon. Thanks for your time today, and uh, be well out there. Okay, thanks so much. Take care. (laughs) Thanks, Mark. We're going to go to our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, Devin Underwood is on the other side. We'll talk about the labor market in Tucson and uh, how your business or organization can survive and thrive Uh, going forward. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser.
1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com, and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser here on 1030 The Voice, uh, daily in-depth news conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. Uh, we just got off the line with Mark Marley, who heads up the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory at the University of Arizona. We talked about on this momentous day uh, as University of Arizona astronomers have found the black hole of our Milky Way galaxy, something that even got the governor's attention uh, this morning and tweeted out in support of Tucson and the University of Arizona. We had Mark Marley on to talk about the Arizona Space Institute, the laboratory, and more. It's a beautiful day in the space city of the Southwest. We're now turning uh, topics over to uh, Devin Underwood, our next guest principal and founder of the Talent Store here in Tucson, uh, our navigator, our guide the last uh, couple of years, honestly, on navigating the Tucson labor market and helping the businesses and organizations of all kinds who listen uh, thrive and keep and attract and retain talent. Devin Underwood, as always, happy Thursday, Friday Eve. Good morning to you. Hey, Zach. How are you? <laughs> I am doing good. I'm ready for the Palo Verde trees to... Uh, to uh, to go back into hibernation, but other than that, life is good here in Tucson. I know I haven't figured out if I'm actually allergic to the flowers or if something comes out that I'm allergic to at the same time. <laughs> there's a correlation for sure. Oh man, I've heard everything from you know the bees either came too early or came too late to all of the folks from around the country. We welcome with open arms in Tucson. They bring their own allergic plants and introduce things here that we don't know how to deal with. I've heard all the rumors, all the theories. 
I just want whatever it is to go away. But other than that, Devin, yes. it's a great it's a great day <laughs> to be in Tucson. <laughs> it is, and it's a beautiful morning, definitely. It is absolutely, uh, Devin. I know we've got some things to drill down into, but real quick, I always like to get your um, kind of 30,000-foot view at the labor market in Tucson. You've got your pulse on it. We got some encouraging uh, data around unemployment rates, certainly nationally, um, but also we're seeing uh, more and more people who have been seen on the sidelines. Either they've uh, explored retirement or they weren't lo- weren't looking for work. They have made decisions to get off the sidelines and get back in the labor market. Uh, are you seeing some positive signs today um, that this labor shortage we've been feeling, this pinch, uh, might be going away slowly but surely. Um, yeah, I think so. I think in, in some sectors, there, it's going to take a little longer, um, particularly high-touch and customer-centric um, sectors. People are, are going to take a little bit longer to get back to there or find a new pool of people interested in that. Um, but we're getting there. And I think the other thing, you know, more and more we look at the data of why people are making changes, what they're looking for, and culture is in the top three. And, you know, we talked about that way before COVID. I think LinkedIn was a leader in a lot of those conversations and the data and research around that. And um, I think it's really become important and employers and and organizations are taking that seriously. It's not just a fluffy, nice-to-do thing mm-hmm. on their list anymore. And I think that's going to be a real positive in terms of what organizations are able to get done, who they're able to retain, and how they're able to move forward effectively. If you have a healthy culture and communication cadences and channels, you can get so much more done. You're so less distracted by all the other stuff. Um, And so I'm really encouraged to see people taking it seriously, um, doubling down, investing in understanding how they can get better at it and much more intentional around it. Yeah, that's been a very interesting shift. I agree that we have started to see more organizations uh, double down on. Uh, But what do you have for us today specific to this conversation of attracting and retaining uh, the workforce that our companies and organizations need. What do you uh, What do you have for us today? Yeah, you know, I think we started out this quarter's conversations really focused on succession planning, and continuing in that theme, a big piece of succession planning is hiring. It's getting the right people in place, and so I wanted to kind of talk about just proactive recruitment and executing top of class recruiting and integration strategy. And so whether you're hiring, acquiring, um, promoting, what is that talent strategy? What does that even mean and what does that look like? And so um, when I talk about talent strategy, it doesn't solely sit in HR. It is not solely an HR function. And oftentimes companies kind of throw it at HR and say, let's go, you handle this. And then why isn't it working? Um, you know, I, I always say when I'm looking at opportunities for organizations to restructure, take a new look at their talent strategy, I always say, why isn't your strategist or leader in this area reporting to operations? 
um, you need the executive engaged in talent strategy. Operations should be laying out how that executive vision is getting done, and they should understand who is needed, where, what's going on, their leaders are reporting up. And so that's where it should sit with really key collaborators in both marketing and HR. Marketing and helping with the employer brand and helping with internal communications, external communications, stories about culture, um, Mm -hmm. customer-facing and talent-facing, and then the um, HR department in creating equitable and competitive compensation benefits, um, administering some of the onboarding, and then operations again in all of that integration and bringing, Mm -hmm. setting someone up for success as they come into the organization. You know, I mean, we've had a lot of these um, conversations around the edges of this, and I feel like the trend that I keep hearing is um, that gone are the days when just HR departments manage the whole thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And if I'm hearing it from you correctly, I think you said there was a time where organizational leadership delegated both the communication of culture and the operations of hiring and retaining all to HR. And you're saying that successful organizations you work with have very hands-on leaders who are committed to um, really bringing the culture and tone of the organization to bear in this hiring and retention experience. Is that is that true? Yes. And, you know, you've seen this in large organizations for a long time. They have entire departments dedicated to talent strategy, whether that's talent acquisition, career progression, internal promotion, um, onboarding for success, all of those pieces of the puzzle they have a whole department for. When you see a smaller, mid-sized company, you know, oftentimes HR is a later hire, which is okay. You start with the sales and product development and R&D and all of those pieces that you need. Um, and and the operations are the, the leaders, the managers, the leaders, whoever is overseeing the day-to-day um, are engaged in the hiring. And then suddenly they, they hire an HR person and they want them to do all of that because hiring is hard. Mm-hmm. And usually people who are leading their teams are good at what their expertise is but not hiring. It's rare to find a leader who's really keyed in there. And so they push it to HR. HR is, you know, whether you hire someone that's administrative or um, focused in compensation. I mean, it's a huge, big area, umbrella area that has so many different focuses. And so did you hire this person as a talent strategist or what else are, what else is on their plate? And, Sometimes HR can um, project manage all of that, but without engaged leaders in the hiring process and without engaged branding and intentional culture setting, it's not going to go very far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think I think I think it's interesting, Devin. You've um, on a personal note, you've helped um an organization i'm a part of hire in the past and i'm thinking back to that process where the staff the operational side was on kind of the front end of the recruiting but once there was a pool of candidates um kind of the board leadership also had an interview opportunity Mm -hmm. and to me that's a picture 
of what you're talking about, where there's this integrated approach where there's both the op side and the culture tone side. And, you know, the success story, I guess, on my end is I saw a part-time hire stay on the team for a year and a half. You know, and I remember kind of thinking, this is a very extensive process for a part-time hire. Um, but it it was worth the effort, you know? Um, so that's kind of my personal lens on what you're sharing there. Yeah, and hopefully you can simplify it where you can. So when I look at executing, you know, top-of-class talent strategy, I, I think of it in three parts. I think of attraction, I think of acquisition, and then I think of retention. And so on the attraction side, it's, what is the what are the duties? What does this person need to accomplish? And then reverse engineering, where does someone with that skills experience and interest in that live? Where are those eyeballs? And you're thinking of it as a marketer. And then you're writing ad copy, you're looking on the internet and looking how your organization is being reflected out in the world. You're pushing out ads. Um, to as many places as possible to give yourself options. And then you're proactively reaching out to people who aren't necessarily actively looking and to your network. And you're sharing it as far and wide as you can and then creating that funnel. Um, and then from there, it becomes the acquisition process. And so the acquisition process is and, – and a part of the attraction process is storytelling, right? And that's why I talk about marketing. You really want to talk about who the organization is in an authentic way so that you're attracting the same. You're attracting people who will be interested in that, who will be passionate about that, who will be connected with that, who will be values aligned. Um, and if you don't hang that out front, you can't attract that to you. Um, and so that's part of it. It's a really intentional campaign, uh, outreach and advertising. And then you're going into acquisition, and acquisition is kind of what you talked about, Zach, where it's now we've got this funnel of options, and we've done the thought work to know how we want to vet this person, both to find out what we need to find out so that our interview process and vetting process is equitable and and consistent between everybody, and we're engaging the folks that need to be engaged in the decision and bought into the decision while not making it too long, while being able to make decisions quickly in the market because we've determined what we're looking for ahead of time. And then um, you execute. And the execution is both that vetting process and the technology stack that you've created to manage the posting, the funneling, and the communication to every candidate that comes through. So it, you're sort of thinking about all of that and operationalizing mm, it, wow. and then moving those pieces forward in the interview so that decisions can be made quickly, you get an offer out before your competitor, and you get that amazing mm. person. Wow. And then from there, you're looking at retention. Right. Devin, should we talk retention on the other side of the break? Sure. Let's do it. Uh, this is such an art. I think that's my main takeaway is uh, kind of the spray and pray, <laughs> um, post and pray uh, a process that felt like it worked at one point in time. Honestly, there was, I think, a period two, two and a half years ago where maybe that worked 
you know, decently well. Not as well as if you worked with Devin Underwood, but decently well. But now it's an art. It's a fine art of finding and keeping talent. All of our business leaders and owners listening know that. Devin is our guy to try and make it easy. And of course, if you want to work with Devin one-on-one, I advise that too. And we'll have contact information on the other side of the break. One more segment to go here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. We'll be back with Devin Underwood to talk about retention of great people in your company or organization. Don't go anywhere. Miss a show? Check out the podcast at kvoi.com. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Casser family wing of Latin American art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Is your 8th or ninth grader looking for a hands-on learning program that includes lots of art? Then Desert Sage School, a new tuition-free public charter high school at 3434 East Broadway, is for you. Desert Sage is innovative and is now enrolling 9th and 10th graders for the upcoming school year. Go to DesertSageSchool.org, where the first 125 students to register will be accepted. Desert Sage is the first public Waldorf-inspired charter high school in Southern Arizona, where teachers genuinely listen to and care for each student's unique gifts. Get your child enrolled today at DesertSageSchool.org. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. We have exciting news to share here at Impact of Southern Arizona. We have expanded our food bank into a grocery shopping style experience where over 500 families a month come in for food, clothing, and support. Now, Impact needs you. Can you or your business put on a food drive for food and hygiene items that others would normally go without? Learn more and contact us at www.impactsoaz.org. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, some ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? 
Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Did you know that Arizona is the first state in the country to implement a program like Earn to Learn has right here to support students with matched college savings? Through your investment, you enable students to leverage their own savings and resources to acquire the life-changing asset of a college education. If you want to be a part of increasing students' earning potential, minimizing student debt, closing the opportunity gap, and putting deserving individuals on a path to success, go to earntolearn.org to find out more. This is Bill Buckmaster, the CEO interview series at noon on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. We're with Devin Underwood for the next, oh, six or seven minutes here. Our final segment of the show today, this drive time. Uh, episode of Tipping Point. Uh, we're talking about uh, retaining, attracting uh, great people in your company and organization. It's become a fine art, harder than uh, maybe almost ever. Devin has been our guide along the way. Devin, we left off. We talked about attraction. Um, what does it look like for companies to be successfully uh, retaining folks? I got to say, Devin, I've gotten to hear a lot of stories. From uh, from especially young people in Tucson who um, are getting competitive offers uh, from places not that far away from competitive peer organizations to move laterally. Um, uh, maybe don't pay people thirty seven thousand dollars a year. But anyway, um, uh, <laughs> what's the best way to retain great talent? Yeah, so I think you you've encompassed it, and retention isn't just sitting in a bucket at the end. You know, you're, when you're looking at your attraction mechanisms and your compensation and your benefits, use data. Look at the market. Right now when I'm pulling market data before every search I do, I'm helping my clients understand what the data is showing the pay is and we're adding 15% to that because hmm. that's what we think is happening out there in, in certain sectors, right? So being smart about compensation and making sure it makes sense, making sure that there's a plan that's partnering with your HR department. If you do increase compensation levels, you do it in the whole team and it makes sense. Um, Looking at when you're moving through that acquisition process, I call it the candidate experience. But making sure the candidate is experiencing your organization as how it is. So interview is happening in a way that they're going to work. They're meeting with people they're going to be working with. Um, The uh, processes align with who your company is. So if you're an IT company and you have this really weird, clunky application process and manual hiring going on, you don't feel very innovative, even if you are really innovative with your customer. It should feel like who you are through the whole candidate experience. And it should be hosted well. Um, that leads to all the impressions and expectations being set into the onboarding. 
And so then when you're onboarding, you're thinking about what does this person need to be successful? So onboarding is, is sometimes just the paperwork stuff, and then it's the integration into the organization, the integration into their role, and the integration into the team. And how do you help them build those relationships? How do you help them connect out? How do you make sure they have all the tools and resources? And how do you develop it in a way that they're responsible for a lot of that on their own? And so they're feeling bought in, they're feeling plugged in. That's kind of that first, you know, I need somebody all the way through to the 90 days, the first 90 days of that somebody coming on board and all the areas that talent strategy can play a role in. And Evan, then you real, start to look. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. How important is that first 90 days? You mentioned that. I don't want to leave that too quickly. Uh, how, how critical is it that it's a great three-month experience to start out? It's, it's really important. You know, um, this is the, the toughest time to join an organization. You know, a lot of times people feel like they're drinking from a fire hose. Um, and, you know, you want, I always look at it as in 30 days, you are hosting them at their new job. In 60 days, they are doing their new job autonomously, and hmm. they are able to ask you what they need to continue to get good at it. And at 90 days, they are a fully vested member of the team, and they feel like it, and you can see them leveling up. And so you want to set up your onboarding with that lens in each stage. Gotcha. And the evaluation you're doing of how they're doing each step of that way. Um, don't waste that time. So often people that don't onboard well end up not making even termination decisions quickly mm. enough because they, they don't think their side of the house was clean. And so they don't know really how to measure and evaluate because they forgot to give them this and they forgot to set them up for this or it wasn't consistent between the different people that were hired. So getting your side of the house clean will help you make decisions through somebody's employment. Um, and then you look at career path opportunities. You know, we're doing some really cool stuff with different clients on financial achievements in certifications, continued education that have some financial bump for hitting those milestones. Um, we're looking at how you're evaluating. We're creating stay interviews, which has been really powerful hmm. for one of our clients and really cool. fun to be a part of. Yeah, and it, and and then employee annual employee surveys that are anonymous. And, you know, one of the things where they're saying, gosh, is it our benefits? Is it this? Is it that? Well, ask your employees. And so annually, if you're thinking about adding some benefits, ask what would be really important to them. And if it's not important, don't invest in it. Change that money investment to something else. Mm. Um, but there's, there's lots of ways to look at that, and we've been doing wow. some fun work around that. I love it. Devin, we might need to put a pin in it there just so we don't uh, interrupt you in a few seconds. But I, there's so much in here that I'd love to dive in on, you know, uh, when we have you back again in a couple weeks. But in the meantime, if somebody wants to reach out and go, yeah, my company's in that space that you talked about. I want I want help with this. Where do they find you, Devin? Get a time on your calendar. Yeah, definitely go to yourtalentstore.com. Um, and you'll be able to grab a link to my calendar and we can talk about what you need. I love it. Devin, thanks for your help uh, navigating uh, this crazy uh, labor and jobs and employment market in Tucson. Thanks for your work for the businesses here and uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Thanks so much, Zach.
Thanks, Devin. Tucson, that does it for us here on Tipping Point with Zach Yen. So we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be with Barbara Coffey, the Director of Economic Initiatives for the City of Tucson. Rob Elias is the President and CEO of the Tucson Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Those are our guests to close out the week.